Hey everyone. So I know a lot of you have very good ears and you always notice when we place the mic somewhere else. Well, today we've placed everything somewhere else. We're in a different room at a different location because we're trying to find a solution with the neighbors that you might have occasionally heard in the background and no, they never argue, they just have very loud voices they're very friendly people, just very communicative so we're trying to escape that and that's why we've moved places this is probably a temporary solution as well it's a bit cramped here but I think it should work out well for now and it's getting very cold outside, very wintry. So I thought we could get a cup of tea, light a candle, and explore the world of the Spanish Habsburgs, like I said I wanted to a while ago. So here we have a little leaflet that you can buy in, I think, pretty much any tourist store here in Vienna. You can see the coat of arms of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. And I have to admit, I'm not too well versed when it comes to these different coat of arms here that I included. I think this is stereo, but other than that, I'd really have to guess. In my defense, all this was a long time ago. And when we open it, we have the family tree of the Habsburgs. As you can tell, this is a little tourist thing because we have one, two, three, four, five different languages. So it starts here with Rudolf the First in twelve eighteen to twelve ninety one, so thirteenth century, and continues all the way to the last emperor Charles the First, and the last empress Tita. If you ask any Austrian which Habsburgs they know, they will probably say Sisi, and. Franz Josef, or as he's commonly referred to, Franzl, and people generally also know Maria Theresia. She's often known as Empress as well, though technically she wasn't Empress, it was her husband, Francis, who was Emperor. And if you haven't heard of Maria Theresia, I don't know how well known she is outside of Austria. You've definitely heard of her daughter, Maria Antonia, or Marie Antoinette, who was married to Louis XVI of France. So you can see there's a lot of focus on the 19th century. 
which makes sense. It's usually the image of Sissi that you will see anywhere in Vienna, anywhere you go. But the part that I find really fascinating happens over here. So here we have Maximilian I. So we're around the year 1500. The Habsburgs are um, emperors of the Holy Roman Empire. They are extending their territory, not through wars, but usually through strate strategic alliances and through marriages. There's a saying, to Felix Austria Nubis, or you, happy Austria, you don't fight wars, you get married. And then we have here Philip I, and then Charles V and Ferdinand I. And you can see here, this is kind of funny. There's a Spanish line, Spanish linea with Charles, and an Austrian line with Ferdinand. And it looks like the Spanish line just ends here. And they're only giving us an error to say, here, the Austrian line continues. And I think this is probably the part that's the most well-known internationally. You can see here, Maximilian II was married to uh, Mary of Spain. Then here, Ferdinand III married to Mariana of Spain. And Leopold I also married to uh, Maria Theresa of Spain. And the one we don't have included here is Charles II in the Spanish line and the final heir of the Spanish throne when it comes to the Habsburgs. With Charles VI, the Habsburg line, at least the male line, almost disappeared. And Maria Theresia is known as Empress because she basically renewed the Habsburg claim to the throne and defended it. She had 16 children, that's pretty impressive. But we want to focus on the part here. So, here we are with Maximilian I, right here. He's known as the Last Knight, um, and that's probably a name that was already used during his time, so it was not attributed to him later. And if you think that sounds pretty cool, I'd like to be known as the Last Knight. Um, he was really good at creating an image of himself, which was something really new at the time, and he was quite successful. Having a little visitor here. Someone's come to join us. Okay, she wants to learn about Maximilian as well. <laughs> you can see he had quite prominent features and 
both painters depicted his prominent nose, but well, here you can see a bit of what would become the Habsburg Jin. You can see that here with his grandson, Charles V. Okay, I think the kitty is quite happy to be here. Here on this painting, next to Maximilian, we see his son, Philip the Handsome, with a beautiful hat. It's right here. And this is his first wife, Mary of Burgundy. The claim to the throne of Burgundy was quite important to the Habsburgs and would become really influential. What is generally known as the Spanish protocol at court, so a very strict and rigid protocol, was actually not Spanish but originally from Burgundy. So that came with Mary. These two are their sons. That's Charles, right here, the Spanish line. And this is Ferdinand, who would begin the Austrian line. They also had a daughter, Mary of Austria, who's not on here. Instead, we see her husband. That's Louis II of Hungary. And when he fell in a battle, the Hungarian crown fell to the Habsburgs. Let's have a closer look at Philip the Handsome. I like his haircut. It looks kind of typically medieval, don't you think? Just what you would think of with a medieval prince. I don't know how handsome he is, but I'll leave that up to you to decide. His wife was Joanna of Castile. And I think this painting is really beautiful. I love her expression. These clear eyes. Beautiful pattern here in her hair. You can see all these small details. On her dress. However, she is generally not known as Joanna of Castile, but rather as Joanna the Mad. She was Queen of Castile, and when her father passed away, was a Queen of Aragon. However, as she was declared insane, she was confined, and it was Philip who ruled over these lands. And the Spanish crown became part of the Habsburg Empire as well. If we look at the two grandsons, of Maximilian I. We have Charles V here and Ferdinand I. 
I feel like you can kind of see the family resemblance. Also with their granddad. Maybe not so much the nose, but I don't know. I think these two kind of look a little similar. So Ferdinand ruled over the Austrian dance and Charles was emperor of the Holy Roman Empire and king of Spain. So he ruled over a huge, huge territory and that territory didn't have one capital. So he spent about a quarter of his reign traveling between different cities. And you can imagine it wasn't an easy reign. We're in the 16th century here in the German territories. You have Martin Luther, you have a really strong Protestant movement, um, quite a lot of conflict that came with it. And the Habsburgs were devout Catholics. I don't think they were happy with any kind of Protestant um, claims at all. And it was difficult for Charles to find a solution here as he spoke Spanish and spent a lot of his time in Spain. In Spain, on the other hand, you had you know, something close to the peak of the empire. They ruled over a territory where the sun never set, as they said. And Spain was maybe the most powerful crown at the time. This one's a really beautiful bust by Leona Leone. There's a similar one in Spain, of course, in the Prado in Madrid, which I'd love to visit someday. Charles V had a daughter, and we've already seen this here. Maria von Spanien, Mary of Spain, right here, again in an incredibly gorgeous dress. I love these. So when she married Maximilian II, who you can see here is the descendant of Ferdinand I. So you see where this is going. And he also had a son, Philip II. And again, you can see the family resemblance. They have a very similar expression, I think. Philip II, again, a devout Catholic who didn't accept Protestantism at all. The Habsburgs also ruled over the Netherlands at the time, and there was a lot of conflict there. They aligned themselves closely with the church, and that probably also carried over to the Austrian territories. Austria generally uh, can be characterized as a country of a successful counter-reformation. So some of that strictness might have come from the likes of Philip II from Spain, who had the power to enforce that. Okay, 
get this hard enough. I particularly like this painting here. He just looks like a very serious king and a true Catholic. <laughs> you can, I think, kind of get an impression of what the Spanish court protocol was like just based on the attire. That black fabric that they used. And Philip II is a Habsburg king who's a bit difficult to grasp. He didn't allow anyone to write a bio biography of him. He ordered all of his personal correspondence to be burned shortly before his death. He was at war with England. He ruled over the uh, Spanish colonies. He was at times seen as someone who was very cruel and unforgiving but on the other hand, also described as someone who ruled with a lot of grace. So, you know, I think maybe that's also through the lens of his contemporaries who either were Catholics like him and aligned with him, or Protestants and at war with him. Philip II was married four times, which might be a bit off for a Catholic king, but that's how he went. I can show you some pictures of that. Here we are. That's from the Escorial, what I ruled. Philip II, and we have his first wife here, Maria Manuela of Portugal. She was his cousin, and they had a son, Don Carlos, who was meant to become king, but over time became aggressive and erratic and eventually was confined like his mother. Maria Manuela passed away early and Philip II married Queen Mary I of England, so a Tudor queen. I don't think they were very happy together, but for that short four-year marriage, Philip was also king of England and Ireland. When Mary passed away, who incidentally isn't on here, so I think they really didn't much like each other, he was married to Elizabeth of Valois. And these two, I think, were quite close. They didn't have any sons, but they did have two daughters, Isabella Clara Eugenia and Caterina Michaela. Isabella Clara Eugenia especially was very close with her father and was with him all the way until the end and cared for him before his death. 
Elizabeth too passed before Philip and he married once more Anna of Austria. You can see here on the side. So Anna actually should have married Carlos but as there was no other son she married basically her uncle. They were uncle and niece. And they did have a son, finally, Philip III, who then continued to rule in Spain. But you can see that even though they'd not planned it, their family tree slowly started to collapse. You know, cousins already isn't great, but uncle and niece, especially when their family tree isn't large in the first place, was maybe not the greatest idea. But let's briefly go back to Elizabeth of Valois, because there's something else that's really interesting here. And that has to do with this particular painting. If we turn it over, it says that it was painted by Alonso Sanchez Coelho. And this one is in Vienna, I think, but you often have similar paintings that are in Madrid, in the Prado, because they did send paintings back and forth. And the one in Madrid today is thought to have been painted by someone else. It was attributed to Coelho. But the actual painter was probably this woman here. Sofonispa Anguissola. Let's make some space here. This is a self-portrait of her. She was from a noble family in Italy. Who were rather poor. So she didn't enter into a prestigious marriage, but instead became lady-in-waiting to Elizabeth of Valois, and then became her teacher as painter, and eventually became the court painter for Philip II. She didn't sign all of her paintings, so it wasn't always known afterwards. They were by her, they were attributed to other painters like Alonso Sanchez Coelho. But at the time, I think she was actually quite successful. She was known as a wonderful portrait painter. And you might have seen some of her self-portraits, like this one. There's also one that she painted when she was an older woman, which is really beautiful. And there are a couple of paintings of her and her sisters playing card games together. I'm really fond of these. I've been trying to find a book about her, but there doesn't seem to be one in German and I haven't been able to find one in English either. So maybe that's a sign that I'll have to go and visit Spain sometime and see if they have one at the Prado.
So the Spanish line continued. There's Philip the Third, Philip the Fourth. And one of the daughters of Philip the Fourth is very well known. This is Margarita Teresa, and these are paintings by Diego Velasquez. So, she was said to come to Austria, and let's see if we can find her here. So we have Maria Anna, Maria Teresa, We don't have Margarita Teresa. But we're here in this area around this time. And I always feel like these paintings are absolutely gorgeous. But she looks like such a sad young girl. There's not much personality coming through. But then, of course, it wasn't about her personality, it was about what she represented. So it was about her role in preserving the Spanish claim to the throne. When she came to Vienna, was large marriage, plenty of festivities. One of the few paintings where she looked a bit more joyous. First she passed at the age of 21 after six pregnancies. So I don't think it was a particularly happy time. It's her brother who's more well known. Charles II. And you've probably seen an example of his family tree. I've seen it described as a circle rather than a tree. But like I said, there was not something that had been intended. And obviously, there wasn't enough knowledge to avoid what they were doing. Spanish line came to an end with him. And the Austrian line almost ended with Charles VI. He didn't have any male heirs either. So he decided that the crown would go to his daughter, Maria Theresia. Hence why she's often known as Kaiserin Maria Theresia, Empress. But she was never Empress of the Holy Roman Empire. There was no something that was possible at the time. Her husband, Francis Stephen, became Emperor. And with them, they founded the House of Habsburg-Lorraine, or Habsburg-Lothringen. quite successfully, like I said. 
with 16 children. But I think the peak of the Habsburg Empire was here with the Spanish line. and was without a doubt a golden age for Spain with incredible talent even if Velasquez kind of really became influential much later and like I said, I often find it odd that so little of it is evident in Austria. There's the Spanish riding school with the famous white horses. There's a cafe just outside of Vienna called Escorial, but all in all, they aren't really remembered here. Not like Sissi. To the later period of the Austro Hungarian monarchy. Alright, I think that's enough of the Habsburgs today. I hope you enjoyed that little exploration together with Mishka here, who is happily purring away. Maybe she wants to say hi, she's just sitting on my lap here. Good night. See you again next week.